0: Welcome to this new podcast, The Future of Insurance Industry Leaders, and I am just thrilled to have Carlin Carnahan, the Head of Sellant North America for Property and Casualty Practice, joining me today. Not only is Carlin a well-known person in the industry, but she's also just an exciting person to talk about a lot of things that are happening in the industry. So Carlin, welcome.
1: Thank you, Denise. I'm delighted to be here.
0: So, Carlin, a lot of people know you in the industry. You work with a lot of different companies uh, within the industry, but why don't you give a little bit of background on yourself and also then on SELENT? because not everybody sure. knows some of the interesting background that you have that really kind of gives you a really interesting <laughs> perspective.
1: Uh, I'd be delighted to. So first, let me explain who Sellent is. We are an analyst firm. Uh, we focus on providing advice to insurance carriers and the the service providers and solution providers that support the insurance industry. We provide that advice through research, through consulting, through conversations, and uh, through a variety of ways. We are a global firm, and I think that that is uh, gives us a, a particularly unique view because there's so much happening in Asia that having that, you know, feet on the ground in Singapore, in China, in Japan, um, talking to these carriers, seeing what's happening, I think gives particularly unique perspective uh, on what's going on in the world. A little bit of background on myself. I have been in the insurance industry, I was going to say my whole life, but it feels a little (laughs) bit like that. I have worked for three insurance companies. I started my career in the insurance industry as a loss control engineer. I have an undergraduate degree in in fire protection engineering. So I worked for three insurance companies. One was monoline workers' compensation. One was monoline medical malpractice. I started as an underwriting manager there for the healthcare facilities unit and ended up as the chief marketing officer. And in that role, I was also responsible for managing the overall product. So as the marketing officer, I managed our wholly owned insurance agency, our employed agents, and I converted the organization to an independent agency channel. Um, much of my time was spent at a fairly large carrier. I left and came back several times. Um, the last role I held there was the head of sales and marketing, distribution management, the head of innovation, product management, and I managed the IT spend for a two billion dollar commercial insurance company. so I' got. Deep background on the carrier side. I think I've done almost every job at a carrier, except maybe premium audit. You know?
0: I think that's so, why you and I've I get along so well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been the, the person at the desk making the decisions, and I've been the person you know, at the executive table, at the board level, kind of watching over the business of the company. In addition to working for three insurance companies, I've done four insure tax, one IPO, that was super fun. One sold. That was also pretty fun. And two failed, which was not so fun. <laughs> I forgot other people's money and ran out of runway. But it certainly gave me a, a good perspective about InsurTech and what's going on and, and kind of the success factors there. Um, at one point, I managed the insurance vertical globally for Sun Microsystems. And I did a little bit of consulting for one of the, the big consulting firms with Accenture. But it, that wasn't really the, the area that, I, that excited me the most. I've been an analyst now for gosh, I think 12 years, and what I typically focus on, given my personal background, is how technology transforms the business right now today. How do we, we look at distribution management? How do we think about underwriting and product development? What's going on with claims? And, and the, the, the layer over all of it is this changing customer experience, which is really a passion of mine. Um, so that's a, I guess that's a bit of background on myself and on selling.
0: Yeah, it's why uh, so often we get into these deep conversations because we both have really similar backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Um, You have been involved, obviously, in innovation and business transformation, both uh, within the carriers and some insure techs, but also advising people from a solvent perspective. How do you think these have evolved over the last five years in particular, you know, uh, when the whole insure tech movement came out, when a lot of what we called emerging technologies really have matured pretty rapidly? when we've introduced some new products, all of that. How do you think innovation and business transformation is changing? And how do you look at it going into the next uh, couple of years? And and I want to go back farther than five years ago, because innovation, just watching what's happening in the industry, has
1: been completely exciting. Uh, It used to be, and not that long ago, that insurance companies did not want to be innovative. And they would say very clearly, I don't want to be number one. I, I don't want to be number five. I don't even want to be a fast follower. I want everybody else to figure it out, and then when I'm sure that it's safe, then I'll try whatever it is they're doing. And so, risk this
0: idea—well,
1: in we are. Our job as the industry is to to choose which risks not to ride. <laughs> our job is to avoid risks. We think of ourselves as risk takers, but we take risks within a, a framework, and our job is to determine when to avoid the risk. And so, that is, I think, how the industry had seen itself in many, many long years. You know, there, how could you possibly invent a new product? Why would you want to do innovation? This is very scary stuff. And so it's been quite exciting to watch the industry completely embrace this idea of innovation. And I think initially there was a, a lot of trepidation about, well, how do we do this? How do you even think of a new idea? And a, a lot of very smart people spent a lot of time thinking through how to create processes and frameworks and and how do we how do we manage innovation? How do we create metrics for those and processes and engage people in a way that that works? You know innovation is a combination of kind of two major chunks of things. Uh, um, AM Best has recognized this with our own AM Best innovation rating. there's a, this whole set of capabilities around how you manage innovation. Do you have a culture? do you have a process? Do you have an emphasis on this. Do you have ways of measuring it? So there's this whole aspect of managing the process of innovation with the same level of rigor that you would manage the process of underwriting or the process of claims. But on the second hand, there's the, the the whole set of, are you getting any results for uh, you can have amazing processes, but if nothing ever happens and, or if it happens and doesn't generate returns, then, then that's not really great innovation either. And so over the last five years, we started off watching people focus very heavily on, Uh, process. Folks would follow shiny objects initially and realize simply following shiny objects doesn't give you sustainable change, doesn't give you sustainable results. And so we saw insurance companies creating innovation departments and bringing in people from other industries who had a little bit more experience in the process. We saw lots of, of work being done in terms of thinking through not just what are the cool things, but how do you how do you assemble these cool things to solve real problems? What we've seen in the last few years is that now that companies have gotten pretty good at ideation, at prioritization, at, at thinking through, you know, where they should be investing their money that these standalone innovation departments have begun to dissipate back out into the organization as a whole. There certainly are, don't get me wrong, there certainly are a lot of, of innovation organizations that are still very focused on, you know, lasering in on how organizations can transform. One thing that I think most folks recognize is that it's the people doing the actual work that are most likely to see where the gaps are and where the problems are. And so we've seen many insurance companies who are no longer relegating innovation to the innovation department, but have engaged the entire organization around this. And that, I think, creates a greater groundswell for solutions that truly will work within an insurance company. I would say one other thing that, that has been really exciting watching innovation is a much greater willingness and openness to using partners and using solutions outside of the organization rather than believing that you have to build it all yourself and this has coincided with this huge you know explosion of insurtechs folks who are are engaged in looking at very small slices of the business and coming up with innovative solutions and so what this means is that for an insurance company one of the most critical roles i think has become the architect who has to think through how do we orchestrate the processes between these multiple insurer tax, these multiple digital capabilities, and how do we orchestrate the data so that we can use these processes and data across the different digital capabilities and across the functional areas. And so we've gone from innovation being scary, to innovation being shiny objects, to innovation being a process that needs to be concentrated, to innovation being the way we do business. And I think that that's been really exciting to watch.
0: couldn't agree more. And your comment about AM Best and their innovation ratings, I know we've talked about this a lot, and we've written about it, and we kind of talk about it as a two-speed strategy. It's kind of taking care of your business today. You've really got to make sure that it's optimized and that you've got that speed of operations where you're really applying innovation into today's business because we've got customers who are expecting digital experiences today. There's some new types of products that have to come out. But at the end of the day, you've also got to think about the future because the future is going to be pretty different with a next generation set of customers with different types of risks that are out there. The different technologies that we got. And that's really where that speed of innovation comes into play. And really kind of as they invest a strategic and disruptive innovation, where you've really got to rethink that whole fundamental business model and all the processes around it.
1: I think it's not just the business model. I think insurance companies have to be very clear on what their fundamental strategy is. And I'm not sure every, everyone does. If you think about strategic options, you know, what is it that you do better than anybody else? There's only a handful of of options. You can be like the very best at product development and underwriting, in which case the kinds of things that you're going to be doing and investing your money on are going to be looking for new ways of creating uh, products and using data to make better decisions. You could be, you know, your strategy could be we're going to be low cost, right? And in which case, you're going to be investing in all of the technologies needed to automate as much as possible and reduce the cost. Your strategy could be, we are going to be the, so you know, great at customer experience that the customers love us, in which case you're going to be 100% focused on that customer perspective. Right? Depending on your strategy, uh, depending on how you're looking at differentiating yourself in the marketplace, you'll choose different paths. You might choose, say, we're gonna be the best at distribution management, right? You can buy insurance from us in any manner you want, whether it's online or through an agent or through additional different products, you know, embedded in the product. All of these different things uh, require you to to hone in slightly differently on how you do the fundamentals, right? I mean, everybody pays a claim, but if your strategy is low cost, then you're gonna try and automate that as much as possible. If your strategy is customer experience, you're going to focus on more of a concierge experience. If your strategy is product and underwriting, you're going to be gathering as much data as possible. So you're, you're going to do the work that you do, but you're going to choose a different path towards it. And so that, I think, allows folks to think more creatively about where they want to invest their money in the world of innovation.
0: So you talked about working for some startups got that background and that experience what advantages do you think the stat, insure tech startups today mm-hmm. have and what they should be focused on as you look out and you look at you know all the different types of strategies that some of these insurers are looking to accelerate and the technologies that these insure techs are providing as well as how they partner with traditional core vendors like ourselves:
1: Yeah I think that insure techs have Three major strategies. The first one is speed. I know when I worked for an tech, I remember laughing and comparing how we made decisions. When I worked at a big insurance company and we had a problem to solve, we would pull together a task force of, you know, 15 people for six months, and at the end of it, we would end up with multiple big binders that would then go to, you know, a steering committee that would think about whether or not we should implement what we had just come up with. When I worked for a big consulting firm, we would put 30 people on it for a month and we would come up with two binders. Let me just say it were really beautiful PowerPoints. And when I worked for an insure tech, we would run into each other at the water cooler and say, hey, this is a problem. Hey, yeah, let's go fix it. And then that afternoon, we would, we would, we would be on our way. And so this ability to be fast and nimble is a huge advantage. Insure techs don't see failure as failure. They see failure as, oh, this is a, a new way to to not do it, right? Let's try something new. I, when I, At an insurance company, if something doesn't work, at least in many companies, not all obviously, when something doesn't work, it can create a lot of angst in the organization. We don't like failure. We don't like mistakes. But in the insure, world of the tech, they don't see it that way. They just see it as a new learning experience and, hey, let's go try something else. There's no shame to it. So I think speed is one of the major differences. I'd say the, other, uh, the next fundamental difference is focus. Insurance companies are extraordinarily complex organizations. The number of processes, the number of roles that have to be accommodated across the entire spectrum of functional processes, within the organization, whether it's underwriting or finance or claims or marketing or human resources or IT or regulatory control. It's just so much that has to be managed. Whereas an insurtech has the one thing that they're doing and they are laser focused in on doing that brilliantly. And having that focus allows you to excel at, at what you're doing and to think through the different nuances because you're not distracted by all of the other kinds of pressures that are facing you. And the last thing that I think is an advantage for insurtechs is that clearly they're unencumbered by legacy, whether it's legacy technology or legacy practices, they're unencumbered. Now there's some things that make being an insurtech very challenging. Um, and I, I've written articles about this. remember <laughs> one was called something like, Hey, Mr. Insurtech. Yeah, you, here's five reasons why you're going to fail. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Speaking from experience,
1: <laughs> well, having failed twice, yeah. and generally for for the same reasons, many insurance checks will fail because they simply don't understand the business. Right? I had a, a oh guy boy. call me Isn't one time. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Oh my gosh! I had a guy call me one time. He said I had this brilliant idea. You know, I, I'm really good at analytics, and I figured out a way to calculate the perfect price for every employer's workers' compensation price in the nation. I said, well, that's brilliant, but do you know that that's illegal? He said, what? (laughs) So I explained the Department of Insurance and rating, and at the end, he said, well, that's so unfair. (laughs) And so, so, I mean, we spent some time thinking about how he could use this capability in a way that could provide some value to an insurance company. But if you go at it not knowing the business, right, this is a huge problem. But the real challenge that that insurtechs have, I think, is the lack of of money, right? You run out of runway very quickly because of the second problem. Insurance companies are notoriously slow at making decisions. And so that sales process is enormously long. And because insurance companies are often quite risk averse, the buying process can be so onerous you could literally put an insure tech out of business something that you want to sell the insurance company and they need you to fly in and give a demo and then fly in and give a demo to someone else and then fly in and give a demo to somebody else and you know what you're doing this on your savings right? you can easily completely run out of money just flying into these demos so on the one hand these insure techs have these great advantages of focus and speed and and the unencumbrance of legacy on the other hand You know, the the runway is is much, much shorter than you would ever think it it should be.
0: I can't agree with you more. One of the areas you have that you're really passionate about is around customer and agent experience, and you've done a lot of uh, reports on this, and I know you've done a lot of work with some of the insurers in, in the marketplace on this. Talk about how that whole kind of experience perspective is so much different than what we've done in the past with portals over the last 10 years and where digital platforms really become important, not just because of the platform to help create the experience, but how it it brings in some of these insure techs to be able to kind of add those really added value services or, or new capabilities or new data.
1: This is an area that I'm particularly passionate about because I believe that customer experience is really the only form of sustainable differentiation for most insurance companies, but right? You can differentiate through your underwriting, but really that's mostly going to be artificial intelligence and that's just math. You can differentiate through price and being a low cost provider, but you have to have a lot of scale to do that. That's what the race to the bottom is not fun. You can differentiate through distribution, but down the road, everybody will sell however people want to buy. And so what's sustainable is customer experience and everybody's journey map. Right. Everybody knows you have customer experience, customer expectations are changing. We've got to, to journey map and, and, and create that better experience. My problem with that, and, and don't get me wrong, you gotta do that. You gotta, you know, eliminate the handoffs and streamline the process and and you know make sure that the, the friction has been eliminated. But the challenge with journey mapping is that it's a very internally focused process still. We're still very focused on journey mapping our right? how do you buy a new policy, how do you pay a bill, how do you manage a claim, that's not how customers think about it, they don't even know how we're organized, they don't think about it in this linear process, and so while we're looking at how do we do these steps fast, the the things that actually matter to a customer are much broader and transcend functionality, and so Denise, you know I've laid out a, a customer experience framework that starts with Nomi, Know who I am. If I call in and I am reporting a claim and I've been your customer for 30 years and never had one before, don't treat me like a bad guy. Right? Know me. Know who I am. Know what kind of products I might need because you're aware of my risk preference, for example. Help me protect myself with the right kinds of products at the right price because you know me. But it's not just protecting myself with products. Help me protect my personally identifiable information. Help protect me from uh, hiring a a shoddy contractor or taking my car to a bad body shop. Protect me from bad guys that are committing fraud against me. Help me not have losses. I don't want them. You don't want them. You know what causes them. And if I do, help me recover. And recovery is not a check. You and I have talked about this before because I think that this one thing, help me recover, is what is responsible for the bad reputation that we have in this industry customers believe when they have a claim that we're going to help them recover we believe when you have a claim our job is to give you a check and then we're done (laughs) and it's not the same thing no it's not and it doesn't even have to be you know technology enabled you know Mm -hmm. i think you know many people on the line may know my sister lost her home and her business in the, the campfires when the, the town of paradise burned up and moved in with me for about a year while they were figuring out how to get back home. And it's as simple a thing as having a, a piece of paper mailed to them with, hey, now you've had a total loss. Here's some tips and techniques. Things like open up the post office box, move your landline to a cell phone, By the way, recognize you're not going to be rebuilding your house in six weeks. This is a long-term process. You know, go register with FEMA. Go register with the... Having something like that would have aligned expectations because this is where the bad reputation comes from. They have an expectation that is not being met because the expectation of the insurance company is different. And so back to customer experience, this idea of help me recover can be handled both in a a digital world, but also in in a physical world around aligning expectations.
0: You know, I had a similar experience when we had a a major hailstorm here in Omaha a few years ago, if you remember, and we had had a a shake roof at that time. And not only did the shake roof get damaged, but all of my windows in the house got damaged. And so it was a pretty substantial claim. And my insurer was wonderful to work with, but then it became kind of, I knew too much. It became an issue with a company that still held my mortgage and they were horrible to work with because the value of the damage was so significant that it had to you had to work through the uh, the bank or the yeah. mortgage company for those that don 't really understand they would have um, looked at that experience and say the insurance company is not a good insurance company to work with from a claims perspective when it had nothing to do with them and so those relationships exactly. and those partnerships and looking at it from an outside in from the customer's perspective is really really important i couldn 't agree more Carlin because it makes us open our eyes into how we might need to kind of connect with other types of entities in an ecosystem to really kind of create that broader experience for customers
1: yeah absolutely because if you want to create a great customer experience you're not going to find that in the core systems core systems are intended to help the insurance company process their transactions efficiently and make good decisions they're not intended to deliver a great customer experience. You want a great customer experience and you may be bringing in a, a chatbot. You may be bringing in gamification techniques. Maybe there's video communications or you know, augmented reality for a video estimate. I mean, there's this wide set of capabilities. It might be moisture detection devices. It might be sentiment analysis. There's this wide set of capabilities that can be assembled to deliver a great customer experience but you're not going to find that in a core system so the challenge for an insurance company is well how do i figure out what these different capabilities are how do i curate among the different providers out there and choose which ones to utilize and once i figure that out how do i plug them all in and orchestrate that process and orchestrate the data because if you have to do it one at a time you're going to quadruple the size of your Yep, exactly so this is yeah, so this is where, you know, the, the ecosystems that vendors like yourselves are putting together become important. The integration layers, or the open APIs, this all becomes very important. And we've been writing about this at Solid for, gosh, a couple of years now. We call it the new recipe, this idea that you take this customer-centric approach, really thinking about it from their perspective. And then, you know, creating this ecosystem of capabilities that are integrated through open APIs, run in the cloud so that you can deploy very quickly, which then requires this transformation of how an IT organization delivers and manages and deploys products. A bunch of different things that insurance companies can do in the background to prepare for digital.